the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we sound weird to you, give us uh, give us a call one triple eight three six seven five three two nine, or you can email me at gbchayward at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com. Uh, this time of the day, the signal can get pretty weird, but we hope that things will clear up. If there are any problems, let me know. GBC Hayward at gmail.com. Again, I want to welcome you to our Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to be with you. Your host, Jesse Gistead, December 21st, four days before the celebration of one of the most ubiquitous and well-known holidays in our world. Oh, I guess since about... uh, maybe the second century BC, third century BC, the birth of our savior, Jesus Christ. We will celebrate his birth on this Friday, enjoying the story of the nativity, uh, right? All of us engaging in that in that process. So um, who all of those of us who actually believe in the importance, the significance and relevance of the nativity birth. But did you know how that narrative opens up after the birth of the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 2, it speaks of King Herod, that wicked king of the Judites, seeking to kill the child. If you call, if you guys recall, what an interesting way in which a, a narrative of tradition that's really surrounding uh, joy, good news, and hope for humanity. And yet in, in the context, it's about the most vulnerable among us, if we want to use more liberal terminology, even the baby Jesus, uh, being under threat by no less than a king, a ruler, a political ruler, if you will. And why is that? Why is the baby Jesus, according to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, uh, and Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 and 3, by the way, uh, is the baby Jesus being pursued by Herod to be killed? Is because Christ, Jesus Christ, the uh, uh, son of Mary, he has a step stepfather we know whose name is Joseph. Him and his cousin, the forerunner, John the Baptist, will spend their ministry lives, some seven years combined, three and a half for John, three and a half for the Lord Jesus, exposing the wickedness of the government and the apostasy of the church, which had embedded itself in the beast system, the Roman Empire, as the idolatrous horror of Revelation chapter 13, 14, and 17, as you know. And the dragon, we are told by John in the apocalypse, understood this epic event of the conception and the birth and the life of the man-child Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 12, 4 tells us, and the dragon stood before the woman uh, who was to be delivered of the child to consume or destroy or literally devour the child as soon as it was born. Now, why is this kind of cosmic, uh, massive, apocalyptic, oriental 
hyper evil language being used of this one child who is but a babe, if you will, in the manger. Why is the child being hunted by Herod? Well, it's because the kingdoms of this world, it's because the dark, dark forces of this world uh, seriously knew the role of the Lord Jesus Christ and the role of John the Baptist in their exposing the wickedness of the government and the apostate church. So serious was the deep state in Christ's day that his parents were warned by the angel Gabriel to flee into Egypt until it was safe to return. Again, that's chapter two, an amazing phenomenon there. And why were they told to do it? Because the society was so corrupt in that day, both its politics and its religion were completely compromised and given over to secularism and worldliness that uh, the call to truth-telling by those two witnesses, John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ, would shake the nation during their seven years. But they had to live, didn't they? And they had to grow up in order to be able to function in their ministry of exposing, you will, if you will, the deep state, uh, the apostate church, first in Jerusalem, then in Rome, then in the world. And I thought about what happens to witnesses of the truth who recognize the corruption and seek to expose it in order to affirm to reasonable thinking citizens that they're not imagining things. I've told my congregation this uh, quite frequently over the last year. We're not living uh, in any real different contextual societal uh, social or political or religious context any different than the time of the Lord Jesus or the apostles, the corruption and the the evil and the the backslapping and the trade-off and the materialism was at a height in the day in which our Lord Jesus was in the world. And truth tellers, witnesses of the truth, they speak in such a way as to affirm the right thinking of reasonable citizens, that they're not imagining things, that they're not part of some fringe kook group of conspiracies, which is a kind of silencing and distraction tactic of the mainstream. It's, it's been said many, many times. If you recall the Apostle Paul witnessing to the government on his way to Rome, uh, telling uh, Felix and Festus how that the Lord Jesus had met him on the road to Emmaus and uh, had knocked him down off of his horse and the manifest glory of Christ spoke to him from heaven and revealed his uh, purpose and plan for Paul. And if you guys recall in the latter chapters of the book of Acts, chapter 23 through 26, uh, Felix stopped Paul in the middle of his preaching and said, Paul, much learning hath made thee mad. And uh, he had to return to Felix, the very kind gesture, most noble Felix. I'm not mad. You see, that's what the world would love to say. That's how the enemy works. He would rather you think that you're mad than that you're clear in your thinking. He would rather you question what you are seeing, question what you are hearing. He'd rather you actually deny the reasonable, rational, conscientious clarity that you have as a child of the living God. He'd, he'd have you to, to actually deny what you see. Never mind what you see. Never mind what you hear. Just believe what you're told. And that, that history has repeated itself uh, by epics of nations and political uh, forces in terms of the darkness that has dominated our world 
for for many, many, many centuries now, um, it requires a kind of bravery, if you will, bravery to say no to liars and to say no to those who are in power, who are seeking to manipulate and force upon you a narrative that you know is not true, as did John the Baptist. Remember, he was killed for Terry, ter, uh, telling uh, uh, Herod that he had married his brother Philip's wife, and that was wrong. That was a direct speaking truth to power, if you will, of John the Baptist to that political ruler. And then Jesus confronting Caiaphas and Ananias and, and then Pilate, telling them the same thing. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And what did they do with those men? They killed them. And countless men in our own country, ladies and gentlemen, in the not so distant uh, uh, past, uh, lest we forget, um, have also experienced the same thing for for what? Truth telling. A dear friend of mine who passed away recently, a couple of months ago, he was a pastor who uh, shaped my theological landscape with the radical centrality of Jesus Christ as the essential message of scripture in my younger days. He was from the South. He grew up in the Jim Crow era. He grew up in the time where uh, it was really, really bad for African-Americans. I remember him saying to me in my early, early 30s as I was uh, growing in my preaching ministry, he said, you're an African-American pastor in a country that has not dealt fairly with your people. Uh, and I recognize your need to speak into the political context. But he told me, you need to be very careful as you do. He said there are two things that he wanted me to keep in mind, and they were inferred. They were not explicitly stated because, again, him being from the South, he understood the tangential nation, uh, relationship between African-Americans and Caucasians at that time. But he said you definitely want to keep two things in mind. One is in the midst of having to tell the truth about the political conditions of the world by which historically the precedent has been, that government lies to its people, and those who are most vulnerable are are without power, if you will, uh, end up bearing the brunt of it. He says, in the process of having to tell the truth, make sure that you don't lose the gospel. It's easy to go political and get paid to be on one side or the other. That's just so easy for uh, a pastor to do, basically kind of stick his finger in the wind and, and look at the uh, proverbial winds and say, you know what, I'm going with the populace. You see a lot of that going on today. Uh, at that point, you lose the gospel. All of a sudden, as James White put it so very clearly, the gospel now goes through a, a COVID transformation, and it's no longer what it was. The DNA is impacted by the mRNA, and it has completely refabricated the uh, the DNA of the gospel so that what you're hearing in the church is similar to what you're hearing in the world. The second thing he said, do not do, is don't lose your life. You see, every honest person who lives close enough to the truth, they really know what's going on on both sides, whether you're liberal, liberal or whether you're a Democrat, you know what's going on. We have a history, again, that's not too, uh, not too far away from the time of JFK or from the time of Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X or Robert Kennedy and, and many smaller players. We know a number of the names of people who were in politics who ended up uh, experiencing a demise because of what we call now the deep state. And uh, how great a deception must drape over a people 
who one week before they are saying to Jesus as he heads to Jerusalem, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. That is to say, Lord, save us, if you will, acknowledging him as Messiah, acknowledging him as the Savior. And then one week later, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. You see, this is what we call the fickleness of human nature that is out for its own good. And when you are a spokesperson for the truth, as were the prophets, as were the apostles, as were us, our Lord Jesus Christ, and as many who've been called to just say it like it is, you end up meeting with the same kind of fickle end. Um, as you and I celebrate the birth of Christ, we dare not confine the incarnation of God for the eternal salvation of men. We dare not reduce it to a fairy tale or an isolated event or a nice religious expression, a harmless tradition that does not prophetically call every living soul to the reality of sin personally, publicly, nationally, and globally. The reason we need the Savior is because we are sinners on all that all those levels, personally, publicly, nationally, and globally. And the birth of the God-man almost 2,000 years ago is good news precisely because we're sinners. As the Bible says, all men are liars, and we need to face the truth and look at the remedy that's given to us in the message of the Son of God. All right, I'm going to take a hard break, pay some bills. The number is one 367 5329 one Three six seven five three two nine. I'll take your calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to talk Christmas, want to talk theology, want to talk our present state of affairs, you want to talk about questioning where we are going in the year twenty twenty one. Love to hear. From you, let's have a conversation. By the way, we're only going to have, let's see here, maybe we'll have one more conversation before we are in 2021. It's amazing how time flies. This year has been absolutely bizarre at the best, weird at the worst, and uh, filled with all kinds of statistical problems if you were uh, brave enough to, to look at them. But if again, if you want to chat, just to talk it through, if you got some challenges, for yourself around Christmas, we can pray about them. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We've got three lines open um, to 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 chat for the next hour and a half. As I was stating in my monologue, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we want to make sure that we understand what God was saying in that in that epic event in the first century. Now it's somewhere around. Uh, uh, 1900 and, uh, uh, if you will, 88 days, 88 years, um, if we accept the AD 33 account, which I do, to me, I believe it's, it's filled with most of the evidence that Christ was crucified uh, on Passover day, Nisan uh, 4, um, uh, in uh, AD 33, with all of the circumstantial evidence that would support that, some AD 30, some AD 31, but AD 33 to me seems to be the most plausible date. That being the case, uh, 33 years away from 2020 uh, puts us uh, puts us pretty close to um, you know 1987, 88 years 
um, almost 2,000 years. That will be epic in relationship to the Old Testament because God basically uh, established a plan for Messiah through Abraham 2,000 years before he came the first time. And here, uh, almost 2,000 years later, look at our world. It's exactly like it was in the days of Christ in many ways, particularly the upheaval politically, the social uh, melee, uh, a lot of the, the quirkiness and, and uh, threats and terrorism and, and uh, if you will, uh, coups and, and attempts at taking over the government. There were many, many uh, uh, of those kind of political um, haranguings uh, in the days of John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus Christ as they are emerging again in our day. And I cannot, cannot uh, not believe that we are also not dealing with some extremely difficult, maniacal uh, efforts on the part of, uh, if we had the media in our Lord's day that we have today, there was a statement made by an individual in the past, and I'm going to give you a little test if you want to uh, join me in that. The individual, and he, and he happens to have been involved in some of the most, uh, again, nefarious uh, political controversy of his day. He says, the media makes the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. The media makes the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. Well, certainly that's exactly what happened to Christ. We're sure of that, like I had stated, on his way into Jerusalem the week before Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And then uh, the day of his crucifixion, what do they say? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify him. So the media can do that, can't it? It can make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. But the believer should never fall prey, never fall prey to this kind of mass manipulation of the great mouth of the dragon, Revelation chapter 13. But be ready to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. The goal of the birth of Christ is not a feel-good, emotionally hair-raising event by which you and I just somehow reduce it to traditionalism. The goal of the birth of Christ was, in fact, for the purpose of a DNA, of a, an authentic seed entering into the world of our corrupt cancerous society of humanity with regards to the consequence of sin and dealing with the sin issue personally, publicly, nationally, and globally. This is why he told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And in preaching the gospel, there would be men and women who would come to hear the message of truth and realize that Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. But ladies and gentlemen, you do also know that Christ clearly laid it out to his disciples. What you're going to be met with when you tell the world that there is such thing as objective truth, when you tell the world that there is such thing as the reality of righteousness and the reality of evil and wickedness, when you tell the world there's a God with whom we have to deal with, you're going to be met with virulent hostility, rage and antipathy and even suffer even unto death. Uh, again, that's what it means to be a witness. Matur is the Greek term for witness, and it often meant the life of the servant of God who would stand up all by himself, all by herself against the culture to tell the culture they're going the wrong way. And we live in those days right now. I can tell you that right now. We live in days where it's hard 
hard for us to discern the truth, hard to recognize and, and, and understand what is the right way. And, uh, and, and your Bible tells you exactly that. Again, uh, three lines open, one 329 Let me go to line number two, talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Yes, uh, yes I'm here, my brother. Uh, are you doing? How's it going? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Did we lose you, James? Am I, am I, are we okay over there? Are we okay? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I think so. What's up? We there? Okay. Yes, we are. I'm no, here. Are you there? Okay. I, 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 I have to let you know. I'm, I'm not going to get it. answer to your question because I cheated on the answer. So I'm going to let somebody else who, who already may know what it is. So I had to I had to look it up when you said it because it was such a... You did the right uh, thing. Though, this is, this, yeah. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can Hello? hear you. Are you? Yeah. Are, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. This is breaking up a little bit, but you know that's just. It is. It is. Yeah, it is breaking up. I don't. I, that we probably can't do much about that. But go ahead on chat. Tell me what's on your mind, man. Well, last week before we, you know, we got cut off. I mean, I guess it was sort of disheartened in one way and then encouraged in the other. You know, I guess to me the term I use, I'm disheartened by. The amount of people, I would say, the amount of believers that are drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will, of the, of, the, of the mainstream media and social media versus going in, digging in hard, you know, looking in, researching to see what things really mean. I mean, it, it, but I'm encouraged as a believer because, in a sense, I know it has to go down is when you remind us, you know, constantly of what this is looking like. So in that, in that sense, I'm encouraged, but it would just seem to me that, more believers would get in and dig in and do some homework. Just don't take the Kool-Aid of what, you know, the mainstream media is telling you because they've lied. They have a history of lying. And so why believe it now? But part of it is because that's what they want to believe. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't get it with, you know, with the, with the elections and everything. I mean, as believers, our goal is to seek out the truth. And I told why you, we're I not. Told you. No, go on. No, no, no. And, and, and why that, you know, isn't happening? I mean, to me, I mean, I talk to believers. They don't even know whether there is a deep state or not. You know, right. uh, they, right. they, they, I mean, they don't even understand that, that terminology. You know, I just, right. I say, well, I'm glad I don't have to live, you know, in the world like that as far as according to them. So. Right. Look here. Look here. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to carry you over to the other side of the break. And what we're going to do is run through some fundamental definitions of terms, uh, James. And I think that would be a public service announcement for many people because you're right. There are levels of ignorance, but this ignorance is not merely the consequence of the prejudices of the heart. It is a strategic accomplishment on the part of not only the media, but the complete blitz of rhetoric from the elite educational systems all the way through uh, the government, all the way through our uh, employment agencies, right on into our homes. And unfortunately, our churches have not seen the need to discern this kind of ideological subversion. So we'll talk about that after the break a little bit, just to kind of 
uh, show the similarities between our day and the day of John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be right back. We're going to take a heartbreak. I've got two lines open. If you guys want to join us in the Monday edition of Lifeline, two lines open, one 367 5329 one We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The time is 5.38 on the Monday edition of Lifeline, 5.38. I think we've got a couple lines open if you want to join us on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are on line number two talking with James. James, are you still there? Still here, man. Good, good. Yeah, so what I wanted to do was just take a moment because this is a, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to expand on some terms that some of us know. Very common terms in the media, very common terms among people that are politically astute, people that recognize the importance of understanding their constitutional rights, people who understand the history and trends of our society. So in my opening monologue, as you as you as you as you remark, um, you recognize that what I was doing was demonstrating that the matrix and context in which the birth of Christ and the birth of John the Baptist was fundamentally no different than our present time. And, and, and we as believers need to know that in order not to, to relegate our Bible to some kind of Reader's Digest or some kind of Aesop's fable as the secular unbelieving world would do. Uh, but when you have a Bible that tells the truth in the raw form in which the Word of God does, that men are sinners, all men are liars, governments manipulate, control, and even kill their own citizens to make sure that certain in information doesn't get out. And you get that with the, the most precious individual on planet Earth, that is the Lord Jesus and his cousin John the Baptist. These are the two witnesses, of, if you will, in Revelation chapter 11. When you get this kind of response on the part of the culture, both religious and truth will cost you. And so one of the uh, terms that, that needs to be understood is when we talk about the deep state, Again, most people that study it will know it very simply. All the deep state is, you guys, is simply career politicians who have been in office so long that they know how to backslap each other, whether Republican or Democrat, and they have made fortunes out of being in government. They have promised a, mo a mountain, but haven't been able to swallow a gnat, as Jesus said about the elite in his own day, uh, and fundamentally, the deep state has basically sold uh, America to foreign interests, foreign countries. This is where the China issue is so big today, though people don't want to look at it. Uh, the deep state has sold our, leveraged our power, leveraged our resources, leveraged our um, unique standing as an individual autonomous sovereign country uh, on a, a, a political level and economic level to uh, to foreign interests, and then also to big tech. This we saw magnificently in this last election period, as you know, with uh, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others, so uh, stifling and canceling and 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 shutting down and 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 stopping the freedom of, of the voice and the freedom of the narrative, so that people can hear all sides. Now, this too. James, everybody knows. The left knows, the right knows, the poor knows, the rich know. We all know this happened. The question becomes, 
when a society has seen as much as we have seen this time around, and you know this, this would have never ever been as broadly observed or broadly comprehended in the days of Martin Luther King or in the days of, Mar uh, of, of, uh, of uh, John F. Kennedy or in the days of Robert Kennedy, all in that same era, would have never been seen at this level in the days of Malcolm X. Uh, and, and even subsequent to that, when, when weird things would happen to uh, more local politicians like Ron Brown in the days of the Clintons and others, we can go on and on and on. The deep state knows this. They know what's going on. And people that will look through other media outlets rather than CNN News and even Fox News will discover, uh, discover the facts. And by the way, when, when we talk about the billionaires and the high-tech and the foreign interests, we're not talking about just the Democrats. We're talking to Republicans as well. I've been teaching this for years, even on this program, the dialectical process of the left-right narrative, whether you're red or whether you're blue. If you look carefully at the long-standing politicians, they have been in office because of the kind of deals by which they have padded their pockets, whether it be Pelosi, whether it be Feinstein, whether it be... Uh, even Mr. Biden, this is a, a very obvious and weird and bizarre thing that he would be so deeply entrenched in controversy with his son around China uh, and the billions, the millions of dollars that are being made behind closed doors. But again, this happened with the Bushes. This happened with the Cheneys, as you and I talked about back in the day. This is going on across the board, and we know this. But what happens on the ground when people, the average citizen, really is aware of these things, but don't want to be honest about them. It is a shift that has taken place in terms of the integrity of, of our citizenry. See, we're no longer uh, constitutionally grounded Americans who believe in the virtue of freedom. We have actually experienced a paradigm shift, if you will, James, to the political expediency of the patronizing politician telling us that they will give us everything for free. This is the big hoodwink that has been going on for so long. And unfortunately, the poor and blacks have actually uh, been the most duped in this matter. Now, having said that, and I, I stand behind that, we're, we're due. Politicians telling you they'll give you something you and I know better. Um, in this particular election, though, I really have recognized uh, how many African-Americans and many Latinos have become clear and understood what's going on. And it's for this very reason they did not vote for Joe Biden, but rather they voted for Donald Trump. Uh, and this is why the elections have turned out as scandalous and as broken and as bizarrely uh, 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 outcome as they have because people on the ground have seen it. And the groundswell of, of recognition of this uh, is just not seen in the media. So you and I are talking to the average person on the street uh, uh, about these kinds of things, James. If they're not interested in their freedom, if they're not interested in integrity, if they're not interested in the truth, then, uh, then, then we're talking apples and oranges. I'll give you the last uh, few words before I take a break. Well, obviously, everything you said is true. I think the challenge is, I think, is either to get the people, to keep the people engaged in the process. You know, we're supposed to have a balance of power between the judicial, yes, executive, 
and the legislative. But they've kind of just eased out the legislative, like, because that's the process that takes the longest and involves all the people. So yep. they can run roughshod over, you know, over the people, you know, o- over society and just go back and forth between the executive and the judicial, and depending on who in whose pocket. I mean, you know, people are disheartened because of that because they don't feel like their voice is being heard. So the one place I know where our voice is being heard is the throne of grace is for us as believers because we know where to go to. We know who's in charge of the whole thing. So we don't live day to day on by what media is saying, what the government is saying, and what they're saying in the White House. We put our trust in him, and that's where us as believers, that, that's the only place we can put our hope and our trust in that is going to be true, like you said, the word and what's going to happen there, because he's true to his word. And I believe at a time like this, as I'm being encouraged, and everybody that'll listen around me as believers, the time is coming. You know, we were talking earlier in the year about a time of rest for those, because the nation is shut down. But now yeah. it's time for us to go into action because people are going to need an ear. People are going to need an uh, ear uh to be heard, and then they're going to have to be, you know, reconfirmed and encouraged and so forth and so on of, of what's going on instead of, you know, waiting on a stimulus check. You know, where, where do you think that's coming from? You know, I'm like, I, a stimulus check. You know, just different things. I mean, the media is at it again. I have my computer open, and they're showing uh, a headline, video released of Texas cop fatally shooting a black man. I mean, who really needs, you know, to hear that? I mean, we know it's a tragedy, but they just don't stop. But most of our people are inundated by this. They look at this, they don't use it as a tool. It's a tool that we have to use for for right, for building up, not for tearing down. I so, agree with you. you. I agree with you fully in everything that you're saying, James. And uh, uh, there they go again, playing the race game. They do that. It's the race game. Not. It's not a matter of statistics. It's a matter of this has been working for ignorant people who don't like to think we're going to keep it going. Listen, thanks for the call, brother. I got to take a hard break. I'll be right back on the Monday edition uh, of Lifeline. Just hold on. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. We're just about done with our first hour. Goes by quickly when we're talking uh, substantive matters and we are breaking it down and getting into the details. But you can give me a call because we're going to have another hour after this. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is to the number to get online so that we can talk it through for the next hour. We'll have one more show, I believe, one more program before we close out the year. And uh, hopefully we get get a chance to kind of put a cap on this as well. Let's go to line one and talk with Miss D in San Francisco. Miss D, are you there? Hi, I'm here. You hey, what's up? Something kind of weird tonight. So it is weird. It is weird. No doubt about that. But I can hear you. Okay. I, I hope everybody else can. What's going on? Um. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know if other people are hearing it scratchy out out here. It, it sounds scratchy. Um, it is. I'm hey, getting it I in think, here. I, I can hear it. It's weird, but I can hear you. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is a. I think this is one of the hot points, really, of the whole of the whole thing that we have to exist through. I mean, I've been enduring this for decades, and basically, what it is is just the world system. But because we have the internet and everything else, we see it so loud and clear yeah. now. Uh, other people are seeing it because of COVID, where it's it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, it's projection, basically. It's evil yeah. is good and good is evil. 
And when you're good, they call you bad. And when they're bad, everybody that's with them calls them good. So they're validated because they think they're good because all their buddies think they're good. But they're just, it's just deception because of the enemy. And it's just, it's relentless, you know. I mean, you you can't write it no matter what you do. I mean, I've fought up against it. Even with, you know, some people that are Christians, you'll come up against the same thing because not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is on the right road, if you know what I mean. That's a sad truth. And you really succinctly laid it out. I mean, you really did. I mean, if you were, if if you were like name that tune in, you know, 30 seconds, you laid out four very fundamentally clear things about what's going on scripturally too, Misty. And so it's really true. Those of us who know our Bibles know what you're saying. Uh, Calling good evil and evil good is what God told Isaiah uh, to tell national Israel that they had collapsed into. And that can only end up in ruin and ruin. And, and, and when you stated that, you know, they pat each other on the back and they say, well done. That's exactly what Christ said. If the world loves you, uh, then that would prove that you're you're of the world. But because you're not of the world, the world hates you. And that fundamental antithesis is what's gradually beginning to occur. Now, the third category that you touched on is the one that James was bringing to the surface that most of us are willing to spend our time uh, really trying to work through, uh, Misty, and that is trying to communicate to a professing community that it is under obligation to be a, be people of integrity, to know prophetically what the Word says, to know the posture of a priest, but also to be discerning. You just can't collapse up under political patronization and fall apart and sell Jesus out as the Jews did, uh, uh, and as it has been repeated through history, just because they tell you that they'll pay your bills, because this is what you get. What we're dealing with now is the global uh, conglomerate uh, wholesale blitz of a spiritual and political and social reset, as the term is being used so, so succinctly, a reset, a radical change that's designed to completely get rid of a biblical worldview, which means, you know, punishing people who have a different narrative than them. Well, well, you know, I mean, the thing about this is this is age, age old. I mean, a lot of people that are Christians don't really live under the skies. I mean, they live under the guise of, uh, you know, there's a faith movement that's it's very massive. You know, sure. you get what you give back. If you give cookies, you're going to get cookies. If you pray for a car, you're going to get a yep. car. If everything's yep. great. I mean, I know people, and like myself and other people, who have suffered vehemently, and they've been into the Lord. I mean, people that have died sure. young from cancer that prayed sure. on every which way that God would spare them. And it, it doesn't always go that way. I mean, I and that's the thing, is that the faith movement to me is really... I don't know where those people land, actually, you know, in, in, the, in the whole thing with, with God and salvation and all that, because some of that's exhausting, because you know what? It says also, I don't know if it's in Proverbs, be careful when they speak well of you. Of course, no, that's I mean, Jesus' words. Maybe, that's maybe, I words. Take it, maybe I take it to the max, you know, because the people that I, I mean, there's a few people that are really good people who will love me, but I would say the majority are haters. Right. And, you know, some of that can stem from jealousy and some of that can stem from they don't want to be pricked. Yeah, and, and, and the, funda- the fundamental, 
the fundamental enmity that you're talking about, the enmity is really uh, misty rooted in that spiritual dimension that we so quickly go to, and rightly so. We understand that we're dealing with a spiritual dimension where enmity exists. How can two walk together except to be agreed? And so, oh, when you, yeah, now you know that's the case, and we we really don't like to go there oh. as a final trump card because we don't want to be judgmental towards people. But if you are presenting in a in a good mm -hmm. character righteousness in a good character, and then you get, you know, the vomit of, of, of vitriol, then we know we're dealing with two different natures because a believer is not going to behave that way. I may have a hard time hearing what you say because I may not be mature enough. I may not be in the right position. I may be somewhat temporarily deceived, but I'm not going to vomit on you. Remember what Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before swines and don't give that which is pure to the dogs. Well, so if, well, if I act like a dog well, or a swine, then I'm, I'm probably not a believer. Well, you know, I've seen, I mean, I hate to say this, but I've seen the vomit in, uh, right. in believers. When, when, when somebody's been corrected or you're just sharing wisdom with them or whatever, instead of them honoring it, like if I come across somebody who has more wisdom or who is this or that, I mean, to me, that's just, it's just awesome. I'm just like, oh, wow, you know, I want to hear that. But with most people, and I, I've seen this across the board, it's very sad because it hinders the Spirit of God. It hinders, it, it's a trick of the enemy. It hinders the fact that we can't get more people on the right side. True. Because even people on the True. right side, they want to shut they want to shut things down. Sure. They don't want to sure. say, wow, you know what, I need to get on my knees and repent. I mean, why do you think COVID is spreading mad and matter and matter and matter? Yeah. I think it's a spiritual realm, because even the people that think they're, oh, yes, you know, praise the Lord this, praise the Lord that, have they gotten outside of their TV set? Have they really gone to help somebody at 3 in the morning when that person is beckoning, look, I need help? It's like there's something going on where things are stuck, and all of us that are trying, you know, you're trying, I'm trying, and some other people I know that are trying and that have been trying for maybe 30 years, the devil is really tough. You think yeah. you can take him down, but you really, you really can't. The True. only thing you can do is, is to come up with God's power and try to move some of these I think that there's a lot of strongholds that have not been even touched yet. And the thing is, you know, it's just sad because there's a lot more going on, and people want to even see, because they say, it's already done. And I know that's true, right? It's already done. It was finished at the cross. Just relax. No, 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 no. That's no, no, no. Don't do that. You're right. No. I remember years ago, so I know this is going to get us in trouble, and then I have to take a break. I know they're going to get... What's done at the cross is our redemption in Jesus relative to us never having to pay for our sins for those of us who trust in him. What still goes on is the work of calling men and women out of darkness, the vigorous work right. of prayer, exactly. prophecy, preaching. And we're trying that to pull them. That work is still them. going on. That works mystery. We're trying that to work pull cannot them. stop. Exactly. We're trying to pull them. We're trying to pull them from the pit, but I'm also trying people that are in the light that can do better to so that this can happen. Because we're all hedged in now. You got it. No, it's true. Okay. That, convers that conversation. Yeah, it's really stressful. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, that, that and I just say, you know what? Please, just uh, even if three people, even if three, 
God can use one person mightily, even if one, two, or three go out. God says, go, whatever, whenever it is, and, you know, go out at two in the morning. Go pray and that, over a and, certain and, and, area. And, 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 do, but I remember do sharing something this and make, you know, we've got, this is really a big battle. <laughs> right. Yeah, thank you for the call. I remember having this thank conversation you. with you years ago. Uh, they are going out. There's just not enough going out. Got to take a break. When we come back on the other side of the break, we'll continue. I think I've got two lines open, one 888 maybe three, one 888 or maybe not. Sorry, I'm, I'm all right. Anyhow, call. I'll, I'll be back in a moment. 